if I had the time to actually sit down with you and talk to you and figure out why you're doing what you're doing or why you're not doing what you're doing, I bet somewhere it related to words that were spoken over your life. Words are powerful. A lot of times we use words in a way that we shouldn't. Uh, Words can heal, but they can also hurt. Words can build, but they can break. Words can give vision. Words can give encouragement. Words can create, but they can also be used in a negative sense. Um, There are things that they're not neutral. They either go positive or they go negative, but they don't have a neutral, and words are those things. And a lot of times we treat words as though they are not that important, not that big of a deal. Here's the lie that we were told when we were children, and you know the rhyme, sticks and stones will break my bones, but names will never. Is that a lie or the truth? So I bet the things that were said to you by people who had authority in your life, if they were right, they encouraged you and probably helped you become something, and if they were wrong, they hindered you and stopped you. Jake mentioned that kid in his youth group who before he became anything, here's what happened. Jake simply spoke into the darkness and called forth God's light. You can do that someday. And all of a sudden, the possibility of the words, boom! The Bible also teaches us in the Old Testament when Moses sent the spies into the promise of God, the land, to come back and give the report. Only two of the twelve gave a positive report and everybody listened to the other 10, got full of fear and it cost them an entire 40-year generation. Words can kill a generation, but words can build a generation. Words can stop or words can move. Words can help or they can hinder. Words, man, they're powerful. They're seeds. They don't always work instantly, but they go into the life of a person And negatively or positively, when they have their effect, the Bible says they reproduce. Uh, God says his word brings a return of 30, 60, or 100-fold. Do you imagine a return like that in your life? By implication, does that mean that the words that the enemy speaks, the lies that he tells, have a return to 30, 60, or 100-fold? I mean, how do people get into places in their life that they get into at times? It's so easy to assign, well, they were just dumb or they just made mistakes. What if they listened to a lie and it misled them? You ever been misled? Words are powerful. Uh, I think maybe uh, top three conversations that directed my life, that caused me to be something, that opened up an opportunity for me, uh, one of them happened when I was 19 years old. So our story, Chris taught last week, and if you were here, I'm so proud of my wife, man. I thought she ripped it up. She is. She is. I told her last night, I wish you were teaching again this week. It's easier on me. But she said, it's not easier on me. Uh, She did so good, and she told a story last week. Uh, she talked about the first part of the blessing and what God has for us and just sort of opened this up. But she talked about how we met and she talked about that situation. And the truth of the matter is, she was 16 and I was 17 and this, this was it for us. I know that doesn't happen for everybody. I know for most people, they think that's stupid and a fairy tale. And I know life doesn't always work that way. I know that, but it did for us. I was going to Green Mountain. She was going to Bear Creek. I can tell you right there, there was great problems between the two of us right at that, that time. 
She said that uh, it was love at first sight. That's, I don't know. I think there's lust at first sight, for sure. Oh, you, you act so like, I, that could never happen to me. Give me a break. Yes or no? Yeah. It turned into love, but it was something else at first. <laughs> Thank you. Real people. Somebody, yeah, we're in church. Yes, we are. That's exactly where we are. So she told this story of how we met, and that for her, it was just like love at first sight, she said. So our story went a little more. Uh, like this, we graduated in 82 and she went away to Bible college in Texas, Dallas. And I stayed here and that year was the worst year of my life. Oh my goodness, I missed her. And I decided then, I turned uh, 19 by that time, she had turned 18. I decided then and there that that's the woman that I'm going to marry. I can't live without her and that's her right there. But I had no way to prove to her father that that was the case. So I remember mustering up the courage when she came home that summer. I asked her to marry me, and she said yes, but we knew, hey, need to go talk to Dad. He was Mr. Hilgers then. <laughs> I knocked on the door. Uh, he knew why I was coming. God, he was so kind to me. Words are so powerful. Instead of making me come in and make me run the gauntlet, he said, let you and I go for a walk. We walked around the block. And I, can you imagine how nervous and my stomach hurts so bad? And I just, I, 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 are you talking in tongues? No, I'm trying to ask for <laughs> permission to marry uh, your daughter. And I, uh, and I, uh, uh, and he could have said so many things, and he would have had the right to. And to be honest with you, in the same situation, I don't know if I would have been as graceful as he was. But man, here's what he did for me that was just God's heart. And these were the words, these are the exact words he spoke to me when I told him, this is what I want to do, and I promise, and he had no reason to believe me, but this is what he said, you remind me of me, I know you'll work hard, I know you'll care for her, and then he looked me in the eyes and he said, you're trustworthy. Now maybe I was and maybe I wasn't, but at that moment I decided everything in my life would point to the fact I'm a trustworthy man. He called out of me something that was in there that nobody else had ever recognized prior to that. Nobody else had ever said to me, you can do this and you can be this. In fact, it was just the opposite. James, you knew me then. There was not, there was, how he had the courage to say, you could be trustworthy, I don't know. But you, you know, we didn't like each other. I was a punk. I was. I was a punk but I was your punk. <laughs> and the only point that I'm trying to make you right now is that he didn't look and say, there's an educated guy, there's a guy that's graduated college, there's a guy that's really going someplace in life. Here's what he had to do. He got God's heart, he heard from God, and he looked at me and he spoke words that were so powerful that they changed the direction and the destiny. Of my, and I stand here now as a trustworthy person. Yes or no? Words are powerful. Proverbs 18.21 says it this way. The tongue can bring death or life. It's not neutral. 
the words that you're speaking are causing life or death. And because it's not instantaneous, listen to me, we think we can get away with it. But it's like toothpaste. Once it comes out of the tube, it's hard to get it back in there. It's a good picture. So what you're saying is so critical because, man, once it comes out, you can't just go. It's important. It matters. An understanding of, of blessing and how it works and the words and why having God's heart and speaking. Oh, man, if you could catch this today, it's so life changing. Uh, Jesus one time was asked this question about uh, money and in particular taxes. And they said, is it lawful uh, to, to pay Caesar? And Jesus, God, brilliant, brilliant. Show me a coin. Whose image is on it? Caesar. Then give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. But then he says the most remarkable thing. And what's minted in God's image belongs to God. And that's you. And that's me. And here's what it means. That he created us in his image. Not with fingers and eyes and hair and skin. He created us with abilities that he has. God is creative. He can speak into the darkness, bring forth the light. He can speak into what has no form and say it should look like this. Now, you're not God, but you have the attributes of God. So that one of your attributes is that you are creative and you have power in your words. No other of all God's creation has what mankind has. When a bird makes a house, it looks the same today as it did 5,000 years ago. Bird never goes, I'm putting a split level on this thing next week. <laughs> never happens. Yes or no? When a beaver builds a dam, beaver never says, I need some oak. Beaver uses whatever's, and it looks the same. How much has architecture changed in 20 years? What, what cars? How much have cars changed in five years? What we do, our styles, our, the clothes that we wear, it's the, it's the proof that we're minted in the image of God. We're creative. Some more so than others, but... <laughs> An understanding of blessing, then God's, God's will, His purpose, His desire, the kingdom of God is based on God's words, His, His spoken idea, what He wants to have happen in our lives. The kingdom of God is not some religion, some church, some philosophy, some esoteric uh, pie in the sky. The kingdom of God is here and it's now and it's powerful and I can speak it. Amen. The disciples, when they go to Jesus, the one thing they say, teach us how to pray. Why? Because they realize that when Jesus prays, the kingdom of God comes to earth. That's why he says, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on the earth. As it is in heaven. They must have seen something that Jesus did that was so good they wanted it too. My goodness, they could have said, hey, how do you multiply food so we'll never be hungry again? How do you walk on water so we can get there quicker? All of those things they could have said. But they asked him, teach us the words, the power, the, the, the blessing. You might think to yourself, I mean, come on, pastor. You're awful excited about it, but it's, is, is it really that good? Ah. Okay, so I'm, I'm going to take you from the book of Genesis to the book of Revelation. Uh, do you have a couple hours that you could? I'm having fun. I'll do this quickly. Um, 
The very first act of God, look, look, just real quick. The very first thing that somebody does, if they're on purpose, should be meaningful. Do you agree with that statement? If, if, you're, if God is nothing else, he is on purpose. He is not accidental. He is not random. He is not just like, hey, whatever happens, happens. God is on purpose. So the very first thing that God does, if you look at that, it should give you an indication of how God thinks, how he feels, and what he wants. The very first thing that God does in the act of creation, he looks at it, he says it's good, and then he blesses it. Genesis 1.28, then God, say the word with me, then God, one more time, then God, he blessed them and he said, so the blessing is verbal. God blessed them and he said with words, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, govern it, take care of it, watch over it. It's, this is the planet I'm giving you, take care of it. It's a powerful thought. God's purpose for mankind is to bless. He could have said anything. He, he could, the very first words out of his mouth could have been, be careful. It could have been, uh, take care of each other. Could have been, but he says, I bless you. It speaks of his heart, his purpose. You find identity when you understand the reason that the creator made the creation. Does that make sense? Identity is found in understanding what God wants for us. He wants to bless your life. Um, so the Bible says Adam and Eve messed up really bad, brings a curse on the earth. Uh, mankind falls away from God. The Bible says that the intent of man's heart all day long was evil. And here's what the Bible says. God regretted that he made man. That's a big statement. So a guy named Noah gets a call, build an ark. I'm sending a flood. I'm going to redo. And Noah, you know, I, I taught on this recently. It took Noah a hundred years to build the ark. And the Bible says he was a preacher of righteousness, which means every day when people were walking by his ark, here's what he's saying to them. You need to get on the ark. A flood's coming. It's going to destroy you. Get on the ark and you'll be safe. And then I asked just question, at the end of 100 years, how many people did his ministry reach? Eight. Do you know how hard it would be to fund that ministry in a church? Like how many people have come to the Lord in the last 100 years? Eight. It's one every 12 years. Uh, and it's my family, by the way. <laughs> Sometimes we read the Bible so sanctified, but can you imagine? I mean, that's a... Yeah. So the flood comes. By the time um, they get off the ark, again, again, the very first thing that someone does, if you're on purpose, should matter. The very first thing that God does with Noah and his family when they come off the ark, Genesis 9-1, then God, say it with me. Bless. Hey, your mouth opens in words. They come forth in power. Then God blessed bless Noah and his sons and told them, here it is again, it's words, it's verbal, be fruitful and multiply. God's purpose, the very first thing that he does is bless. The patriarchs of our faith, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Abraham is the man that God went to and said, come out from these people. I will be your God. You will be my people. I will make a covenant with you, a promise to do this, that through you, I will bless the entire earth. It's found in Genesis chapter 12, verses 2 and 3. God speaking to Abraham, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you, make you famous. You will be a blessing to others. Look at this. I will bless those who bless you, curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. 
So God then transfers the idea of blessing. Uh, okay, it's not just me, God sings. You're going to do this. I'm going to make you blessed to be a blessing. And so they begin to realize the words that they speak, they can pass it on to generation after generation. The power of God then is uh, it's a transferable thing to a person's life. Abraham has a son named Isaac. Isaac has a son named Jacob. Those, again, are the patriarchs of our faith. Jacob has 12 sons. They become the 12 tribes of Israel. One of his younger sons is named Joseph. Uh, His brothers treated him terrible. They sold him into slavery. He ends up in Egypt. His life looks like a waste. But the Bible says this. He decided to see everything going on as though it was the hand of God and I will be the best version of myself that I could be. God used it. And even in the midst of being sold into slavery, God raises him up to be the second most powerful person in the world. What does that have to do with anything? A famine comes on the earth, and the ones who sold him into slavery now appear before him starving, and the tables have been turned. He could kill them if he wants to, but he has mercy on them. He has them move to Egypt. He decides to take care of them all. He brings his father. His father thought he was dead. You imagine, his father not only finds out he's alive, but he's the second most powerful man in the world. And he's bringing them all to Egypt to take care of them. And Joseph loves his father, Jacob. And when Jacob is on his deathbed, a tradition that they had was to pass the blessing on by the laying on of hands. Now remember this. The right hand is the hand of blessing. The left hand is a left hand. (laughs) If you're the oldest, you get the firstborn blessing. Just real quick, say firstborn with me. There's a very important lesson I'm going to teach you. This is really cool. Try to remember this. Firstborn. The right hand is the hand of blessing, and the firstborn gets this hand, which means you get the best blessing. Everybody else gets the leftovers. Yeah, I know that's unfair, but I'm a firstborn, so I love it. So it just doesn't apply in our generation the way you think. Listen. So Jacob is dying. Joseph has two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. He brings them to his father on his deathbed. His dad can't even get up. So he decides to take the oldest son and put it right close to Jacob's right hand. He takes the younger son and puts him close to the left hand. So all that Jacob has to do is just stretch forth his hands and pronounce the blessing. Here's the weird thing. It has to be done the right way because once the words are spoken, they can't be taken back. So it's really critical to get this right. I'll read it to you. Joseph moved the boys who were at their grandfather's knees and he bowed with his face to the ground. Joseph did. Then he positioned the boys in front of Jacob. With his right hand, he directed Ephraim towards Jacob's left hand. With his left hand, he put Manasseh, the oldest, at Jacob's right hand. But the old man does this crazy old thing. Jacob crossed his hands when he reached out and he put the right hand on the younger son and he put the left hand on the firstborn and he pronounces the blessing. And Joseph is bowed to the ground and when he looks up and he realizes what's happened, he's like, Dad, stop! And his dad tells him it's too late. And what the heck does this mean? Why is it even in there in the first place? Look at me real quick. One of the names of Jesus is the firstborn. The Bible says he's the firstborn amongst us. And when the father went to bless the son, he switched his hands 
and he put his right hand of blessing on your head and he put the left hand on Jesus' head and we got what Jesus deserved and Jesus took what we deserved on a cross. And what this points to is that 2,000 years before Jesus ever existed, God was already revealing to mankind how he feels about us and how he's gonna bless us. That is good right there, man. And if you're like, I never get anything out of church, dude, your wood is wet and you need to catch on fire, man. That's what needs to happen to you. In their culture, in Israel's day and in their time, the priesthood was made up of the tribe of Aaron. Aaron was the high priest. The Aaronic priesthood was, uh, uh, not the tribe, I'm sorry, the household of Aaron. And so Aaron was the high priest. Aaron's job and all of his sons and all of their descendants, they were the priesthood. A person couldn't just become a priest. You had to be from this particular clan. And here's what God told the priesthood. No matter what message you deliver to my people, if you stand up and tell them that they're doing good and they're going the right direction, or you have to stand up and rebuke them and tell them they can't worship false idols and false gods and they can't uh, steal and they can't kill, you, if, well, no matter what message you tell them, when you're done telling them, you do this one thing. You raise the right hand of blessing and you pronounce blessing over my people so that they'll know no matter what the message was, the bottom line is that God's blessing is on our lives. It's called the benediction. Some of you grew up in a church where they had the benediction. Yay? Nay? Here's what it is. Numbers chapter 6. Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron, the high priest, and his sons to bless the people of Israel with this special blessing. Here's the benediction. May the Lord bless you, protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor, give you his peace. Whenever Aaron and his sons bless the people of Israel in my name, look... I myself will bless them. Here's what it tells us. When we speak the words of God, God hears those words and adds the supernatural to them. That's why this is not just wishes, but powerful. Jesus. All right, if it's true that the first thing that God did was to bless, and if you just look at the first thing that someone does to get an idea of how they feel and what they're doing, how about this? The very last thing that somebody does on the earth probably is a significant event. Is that true? Okay, the very last thing that Jesus does on the earth, so this is after the resurrection but before the ascension, the very last thing that Jesus does is found in Luke 24, 50. Then Jesus led them, the disciples, to Bethany and lifting his hands to heaven, say it with me, he and then he ascended into heaven. The first thing that God did was blessed and the last thing Jesus did was blessed. Yes or no, it's all over the Bible. It's all over. You might think, oh, come on. Ah. The last book of the Bible is what? Does anybody know? Revelation. Revelation. The last part of Revelation is found in Revelation 22. The very last issue in the book of Revelation is a blessing. It says this, may the grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's holy people. God's grace, his presence is a blessing. And God begins with blessing. Jesus continues with blessing. And the Bible tells us when it's all said and done, we're blessed. Now, I don't have time to teach everything that I wanted to teach here. I'm going to be out of time. And quite honestly, I'm tired. Can you see me sweating up here right now? I'm getting older. It's not, not as old as Larry, but I'm, I'm getting older. <laughs> you hear him laugh, Larry? <laughs> um, 
So I, this makes people mad. Whenever I have a fill in the blank and then I forget to give them the fill in the blank, they're like, we're leaving church. So I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna give you the uh, fill in the blanks right now, but I'm not gonna teach about them. So there you go. Uh, got a pen or a pencil? Okay, the first one is identity. Identity. The second one is love. The third one is approval. And then the last fill in the blank is that sentence, Jesus fought and beat the enemy after he received the blessing from his father. After. So identity, love, approval, after. And I'm just going to skip in my message and do something that um, I sort of just, I pray for every message that if God wants me to do a particular thing, that I would hear that, see that, do that. So rather than just keep going because it's in the notes, I want to do what I feel like the Lord told me to do. Uh, I did not grow up with the understanding of blessing at all. Was it raised this way? This was foreign to me. Um, you know, when I tell you my father-in-law did this thing for me, you don't have the context of who I was and the background that I was coming from and where I was at in life. He did the most amazing thing by saying to me, you're a trustworthy person because I was anything but that. And he called out of me something that, that it was there because that's God's blessing, but it, it, to call it forth, to say it, to speak it. Oh. All right, I didn't grow up then with a man in my life who ever put his hand on me and said, I bless you. This is who you are. So I grew up without a clear understanding of identity. So I found my identity in how hard I worked. And dude, I could outwork them all. The hours and the time away from my family never dawned on me. Not knowing where the finish line was, all that meant was I just have to work hard enough until somebody will finally say to me, well done, and here's the problem. Unless people get the idea of blessing, no one ever says well done to you. So you work yourself into the grave. Maybe to a heart attack. The blessing, the approval, lets you know where the finish line is. It lets you know it's okay to rest. What you can give to your child. Look, what you didn't give, this is important, you can, what you didn't get, you can give if you get it from God. So I never had this. Nobody ever, I, I tried to assign an identity to myself that came through my work, it came through uh, achievement, it came through, you know, so here's what everybody would do. They'd clap for Look how hard he works. And I'm killing myself. Because I don't need somebody to tell me I'm working. I need somebody to tell me, Pastor, you're a good guy even if you don't do all these things. Anybody hear what I'm saying? Right? That probably doesn't. Probably doesn't make a bit of difference. I get it. Um, so when I... An early trip to Israel, um, I meet this old man in his 80s. He's our guide. His name was uh, Matanya. We called him Mahdi. Uh, Friday night is Shabbat. Friday night to Saturday night, 24 hours, uh, Israel shuts down with the Sabbath. They take it seriously. Um, so he's like, I got to get you to the hotel because I got to get home. My family's coming. And I just, I, what do you guys do? And he said, we eat together. We hang out together. We play together. He said, but then I've done this their whole life. Uh, right before they leave to go back home, uh, Saturday evening, I lay my hands on each one of them and I tell them out loud that I love them, what I see inside of them, 
And I call out of them the things that they don't even know are possible. And I thought, oh my goodness, that's missing from my life. No one's ever done that for me, and I've not done that for my children. So I go home, and I decide I'm going to do this. So I ask the Lord, help me write a blessing for each of my children. Help me to write one for my wife. It's not just, you know, here's the thing with the blessing. You might have it in your head, but until it comes out of your mouth, nobody knows. Nobody knows. So... I, I write these things under what I think is the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and then I do the most Jewish thing that I know how to do. I buy a hundred candles. <laughs> and I put them all around our dining room table. It's like, man, the heat was... <laughs> and I bring each of the kids in one by one, starting from the oldest to the youngest, and I sit them down, and then I read their blessing, and I don't know what's about to happen, but... Tears are flowing from them and they're flowing from me and my heart's connecting like it's never connected before. And I'm giving something that I never had and I'm breaking a curse of generations. And what I didn't get by pedigree, I get by second birth. And now they're all adults. And so it's really now, it's become this different thing. At first... It was fun and it was cute and we put them by their doors and they'd walk in and walk out because the blessing is when you come in and when you go. I took it literally. I'm trying to just get them to understand how blessed they are in life and how I feel about them and how God feels about them and what they can do. And I'm giving them permission. You can do it. And you're enough without it. And then stuff happens. Can I teach for a minute? Okay, just look at me real quick. This is really important. So I put in your notes, it was after the blessing that Jesus fought the devil and won. This is why this is significant. Uh, Jesus' blessing went this way. When he was baptized, he came up out of the water, the heavens opened, and a voice. Remember, the blessing is verbal. The Father speaks these three things over the Son. You're my Son, whom I love, and with you I'm well pleased. That's the blessing right there. You're my Son. Identity, you belong to me. I love you. Powerful words. And you please me. You are enough. You are enough. They are such powerful words. And then, listen to me. So we read the Bible by chapters. And we read a chapter if we study it and we think that's it. But the problem with that is the Bible wasn't written in chapters and verses. It was letters that were written. And so um, when you read Matthew chapter 3, Matthew chapter 3 is actually a long story that goes right into chapter 4. But most people stop right after the blessing and they don't read the next part. And here's what it says. Jesus came up out of the water. The heavens were open. The Father speaks, you're my son whom I love with you. I'm well pleased. And then it says, immediately Jesus was led into the desert to be tempted by the devil. God's blessing over the son was, the first words, you are my son. The very first thing the devil says to Jesus is, if you are the son. So here's the enemy's plot, plan, and, and uh, methodology in your life to question everything that God says. How powerful are words? How powerful is a lie when a person believes it? A lie starts wars. A lie causes divorce. A lie makes children hate. A lie causes people to live so much less than what God wanted And our ability to bring the kingdom of God is to speak to the lie and say, that's a lie. That's not who you are. This is who you are. That's where the blessing becomes powerful. So my oldest is here last night for the first time since everything went down. And those who go know, I don't need to say any more. And it's hard for her right now to come back. 
So I read her blessing out loud. And here's what her blessing says. That you are more than enough. Blessed is the man who calls you his wife. This is why it's important. Because when the devil comes to steal, to kill, and destroy, you better have something that can fight back. And you might think I'm intense right now. Dude, I'm not up here playing patty cake with you. You might want me to let you go, and I won't do it. (laughs) Because you need this. You need this. This is life-altering, life-changing. And the older you are without it, the harder your heart gets. I just need to say it. I don't know. I've got a special needs son. He's my firstborn uh, boy. He lives with Chris and I. He's 32. I wrote this to him when he was a little boy. I bless you as my oldest son with wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. I bless you, son, with health. with peace, with independence, with long life, with prosperity, and with God's favor. I loose you from sickness and from disease, from failure, and from discouragement. I loose you from all of the words that are going to be spoken over your life as you become an adult that will tell you that you can't do things because God says you can I see you like a sunrise in the morning on a beautiful day. You're always fresh, you're innocent, and you're full of new and exciting things. You bring joy to me, as does the beginning of a new day. Listen to the words. Your future to God is valuable. God's hand is on you, and God spared your life, and he wants to use you to spread his love to people that no one else will be able to reach. And the reality is that he lives with Chris and I. And he gets beat down every day. But that's what the world says. That's not what God says. So this is my answer to the world. And this is what I tell him, and this is what gets him up and gets him going. That you can. And it doesn't change. Look at me. You think I'm some weirdo. I can choose life or death, so I choose life. I just simply choose life. (laughs) My son Daniel... I see you as a mighty wind full of energy and life. (laughs) You make an impression wherever you go. (laughs) And people notice you. You bring fresh newness to all things and unlimited potential and excitement. Your presence brings joy and laughter that comes all of a sudden, just like a wind that blows all of a sudden. And your future in Jesus is awesome. God has gifted you with a likable personality that he wants to use in ministry. 
You have an ability to quickly make friends and many will be blessed because of your relationship with God and them. And now he's a pastor. But he was five years old when I wrote this. I, I, I know like you're like, pastor, that means a lot to you and good for you, but you just don't get it. <laughs> Why do you think God put me in the position that I'm in? I get it. And I'm trying to lead it. And this is so important. I want you just to leave here on another Sunday with like, oh, that was nice. Ah. I want you to leave here more like Jesus. I want you to hear God speak to you. I want you to know that God's blessing is on your life, that God has things for you that before you were born, he formed you and he knew you and he called you. That before anything ever happened to you, his blessing was on your life. That before any lie was ever told and any label was ever hung, and before any direction was ever chosen, God had good things for you. And the enemy would tell you it's too late and you've gone too far and there's been too much time. And I have to confront the lie with the truth right now that what's impossible with man is possible with God. And I bless you. I bless you not just because it's in my heart, but I bless you because it's God's will that you're blessed. I bless your mind and I bless your spirit and I bless your body. I bless your plans and your purposes. I bless your dreams and I bless your vision. I bless your finances, your children, your marriage, your grandchildren. I bless your hopes, your dreams and your prayers. I bless the deep things that you can't share with anybody else. I bless you with freedom. I loose you from the lie, the chains, the depression, the things that this world tries to hang on you and the things that the enemy of your soul would love you to buy into. I loose you from addiction. I loose you from trying to find identity in everything else except the one thing that will actually bring you the peace that you're looking for. I loose you from stuff. I loose you from hurt, disappointment, rejection, discouragement. I pronounce on you life, fullness, wholeness, health, I speak to you the deep things of God. Deep calls unto deep. For those of you who have never been told who you really are, hear the words of the Lord. For those of you who are having it challenged in your life right now, hear the words of the Lord. For those of you who are living every day in the most incredible way with God, may He supercharge that. May you go deeper and farther and fuller and faster than you ever knew. I bless you. I bless you with strength and ability, with joy, with peace, with love, with security. 
I bless you not just because it's in my heart, but because it's God's purposes for you. Minted in his image with his attributes. I bless you. And I pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen. And amen. Thank you for listening to me today. Thank you.